0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. My name is Mark McPherson. I am over student ministry here at TDC, and I'm privileged to be on our preaching team. If you don't know what our preaching team is, our preaching team is a group of men who have been trained up to preach Christ crucified, to preach the gospel and share the good news. And we have a team by design. Uh, So every Sunday won't be me, there might be Scott or Brad or Darren up here, uh, because this church is not about any one of us, but it's about Christ Jesus and him alone. And so you might see multiple faces up here. Uh, It's because we have a team of people trained to to really exalt Christ in the text. And we want to use the preaching team to raise up uh, men to, to really preach Christ crucified and preach the good news. And so today we're going to be reading from Galatians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians chapter 2. We've been in our sermon series, The Heart of Christ. And so each Sunday we have the joy and the privilege, and we're excited to speak about all that Christ has done. In this series, where we're taking time to really just think about and meditate on and speak on who Christ is is. When we're looking at his very heart and what he has said about himself, has he self-disclosed himself as his heart is gentle and lowly? Today, we're going to be talking about living from the heart of God, living from the heart of God. So Galatians 2, uh, verse 20, Paul writes this so beautifully. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's the Word of God. To live from the heart of God, we need to see three things. We need to see a gospel death, a gospel death. We need to see our gospel deficit, our gospel deficit, and we need a gospel dwelling, a gospel dwelling, death deficit and dwelling. Christ is talking about his very heart when he says he is gentle and lowly. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence for from it, it flows the springs of life. It's from the heart in which our life comes. It's from the heart where our perception comes. Your heart is not just the organ in your chest. Uh, When the Bible speaks of your heart, it's speaking of your mind, your will, your emotions, the center of your soul, the center of your being, the core of who you are. And if we are to live a life from the heart of Christ, we must know his heart, that he is gentle and lowly for us. I'm going to give you a bunch of songs today. So if you're taking notes, hopefully they'll add to your playlist uh, and and you might like them. One of them is uh, Joni Mitchell. She's one of my favorite artists. She has a song called Both Sides Now. It's it's an old song. Uh, She's an old folk singer. It's a beautiful song. She speaks about life, and she speaks about love, but before she does that, she speaks about clouds. It's this metaphor for the moments in her life. Uh, she says, they're like uh, ice cream castles in the air, feather canyons everywhere. I looked at clouds that way, but now they only block the sun. They rain and they snow on everyone. So many things I could have done, but clouds got in my way. She said, I've looked at, I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from up and down. And still somehow it's cloud illusions that I recall. I really don't know clouds at all. She's looking at her life from both sides. She's seeing the positives. She's seeing the negatives. I think we all could do that. I think we all could see the clouds in our lives. The moments that are sweet, the moments that are bad, the the sweet things that become bad things and the bad things that become sweet things. We've seen all these clouds in our life, moments in our life, seasons in our life, But to live from the heart of Christ, we must remember that we're living under Christ. We're living in Christ. We're living from his heart. What I'm trying to say, are the clouds of your life blocking the sun? Are they blocking the warmth of the heart of Christ? Are you looking back on the clouds and not remembering his heart for you? Are you not feeling his warmth? To experience it, we need a gospel death. A gospel death. Are you living for the heart of Christ or are you living from it? Are you living for the smile of God or are you living from the smile of God? See, Paul here is writing it beautifully, how to live a life for Christ because Paul was living for the heart of God his whole life. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was zealous. He murdered the early church. He was living for God. But when Christ came and met him and changed his life, he is now willing to die for the gospel. What in the world causes such change in that life? What in the world causes Paul's radical change? Well, he says it here in the text. He says that I have been crucified with Christ. See, Paul, Paul did things one way. The old Paul did things one way, but now Christ came in and it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. Paul has a new heart. He's met the resurrected Christ. The Holy Spirit has come into him and changed him. He's taken away his heart of stone and given him a heart of flesh, like a seed that's planted into the soil. It must die and out of it grows a great tree. Paul is experiencing the same thing that as he dies to himself, he begins to grow in what Isaiah 61 calls an oak of righteousness. He begins to experience new life because of his gospel death, and we need to do the same thing. We need a gospel death that stops living for the heart of Christ and starts living from the heart of Christ. We need a gospel death that replaces that orphan mindset in our minds that we need to earn our spot into the family and begin to trust in the adoption that Christ has afforded to us. To die to our deadly doings. The Savior says it himself in Matthew 10, verse 39 Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you see the gospel death? The death. To the life of earning. Because within us all is a little legalist. There's a little legalist who thinks that we can earn it. There's a little legalist that lies in our hearts, that we believe the lie that we actually are dying to ourselves when we think we're living for God. We actually believe the lie that we are dying to ourselves, but we constantly are living for God. And not from the heart of Christ. So there's many ways we live for God. We do it through our morality. We do all the right things. We set all the rules. We we, we do all the right things. We learn and we learn and we learn and we learn good doctrine and we get puffed up. Morality is a good thing. Doctrine is a great thing. But as we live for God, those become the things that we step on to look down on other people. Our, our pride is inflated, and we look down on the lowly, and that's ironically Jesus' very heart, lowly. A life lived for the love of God will always find that when they fail, and it is when, it's not if, it is when, when they fail, they will either grow in bitterness to God, or they will live in abject despair itself. The little legalist in us blinds our hearts to believe that we can earn God's approval through our works and not the work of the Savior. In all of us, there's a little legalist who lives for the heart of others We long to be accepted by others. There's an inner circle you're longing to be a part of. There's someone acceptance that you're trying to earn. And as we live for the heart of others, we sacrifice who we are. We sacrifice and we sacrifice who we are that someone might really see you for who you really are. And a life lived for the heart of others always finds when they're finally accepted by that friend group, when they're finally accepted by that person, when they're finally accepted by their peers, They've lost themselves in the process. That little legalist in our heart blinds our hearts that the acceptance of others can even compare to the acceptance of Christ. We live for the pleasures of our hearts, we live for our own pleasures, we live for the good life that we can have nice things, that we can have comfort, that we can have joy, that we can have peace, and if Jesus fits into that equation, then that's great. But as soon as he doesn't, I leave him behind, and I live for what is in my heart, and I live to chase the joy and the comfort of my heart. And a life lived for the pleasures of the heart always falls into the trap of Proverbs 14, verse 12. It says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I know that's so true in my life. As I chased the pleasures of my heart through sexual immorality, the death it brought in all of my relationships. I know that as I searched the pleasures of my heart through drugs, it brought a death to my reputation. It brought a death to my freedom as I sat behind bars. Sin does not wait to bring death that little legalist in us blinds our hearts to believe that our own methods to find our comfort in this world can compare to the comfort we find in the heart of Christ. I love how Mother Teresa says it. She says, in light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. That the heart of Christ is so much more than what we are chasing what we're laboring for. In the heart of our Savior in our wickedness and our brokenness and our sin, he looks at us and his heart is displayed. He's gentle and lowly and he sees that little legalist in us working so hard to be approved of, to be accepted, to find comfort. He sees us laboring. He sees us working so hard in sin and he says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. and I will give you rest. He says, come. Come to me. Live from my heart. Don't live for it. Live from the smile of God. Don't live for it. One of my favorite musicals uh, is Jesus Christ Superstar. And I got to see that with my family in Fort Worth about a month ago. Um, there's a song where Simon, Simon the Zealot, he's, he's singing this song to Jesus. He says, Jesus, look at all these things we've done for you. We love you. We're praising your name. We worship. We are zealous for you. Look at all the great things we've done for you. And Jesus responds in a song called Poor Jerusalem. And I love that song. And Jesus looks at him and says, in your life, your troubles are many. My poor Jerusalem, to conquer death, you only have to die. To conquer death, you only have to die. See, at the cross, it's at the cross of Christ that we get to meet Jesus. And he says to us, come to me. He invites you to come and to hang up your deadly doings at the cross and enter into his rest. He invites you in to live from his heart, not for his heart. He says, be crucified with me. Let your flesh be crucified on the cross with me and live, have life from my heart. Romans 6.5 says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Have you been born again? Have you laid your deadly doing down at the feet of the cross? Have you entered into his rest? We need a gospel death and we all have a gospel deficit. We all have a gospel deficit. We all have something we lack in in our mindset, in our hearts about the gospel. Our gospel deficit is that we are failing to understand the two ways to live a Christian life. We fail to understand the two ways to live the Christian life. We could be people that do good works or we could be people of good works. Ephesians 2.10 says we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has set before us, that we walk in. We are to be people who do good works, not of good works. That's why Paul is writing the Galatians. He writes to the Galatians in order to teach them that to be made right with God is based on the work of Christ and not our works. My friends, to help the gospel is to lose it. To help the gospel is to lose it. He continues in Galatians 3, verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? The the Spirit of God, he opens your eyes to the cross. He opens your eyes to the glories of Christ. And it's the Spirit of God that maintains us, that draws us, that that, that grows us in Christ. It's, it's, It's the Spirit, not us. It's Christ in us. See, our gospel deficit is to see Christ work on the cross as a gateway into the Christian faith, which it is. Praise God, the cross is. But our gospel deficit is that we miss his heart on the cross. It's his heart on the cross which is our pathway to the Christian life. That on the cross, it is objectively true that it is the gateway into a relationship with God, that Jesus Christ bore our sin, he bore our punishment, he bore our iniquities on the cross, and by faith, he gives us his perfect righteousness that we might have a relationship with God, that we might be brought into the family, objectively true, praise God, but subjectively, to our hearts, what we miss is that it was his love that drove him to the cross, it's at the cross where he sees you. I think so many times we talk about stuff and we're like, God did this for us and God does this for us. Like, God did this for me. Christ died for Mark. He did it for me. He did it for you. Subjectively, that's his heart for you. David says it in this, this way in Psalm 8 verse 4. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? To think that the God of the universe who's holding all things together, he knows me. And he cares for me. And he sees me. And he sees you. He sees you laboring and broken. And he says, come to me. I'm gentle, I'm lowly, I'm, I'm accessible, you can come to me, I see you, I think that little legalist in my heart, in all of our hearts, it makes us lose sight of who Christ is, and who is, what his heart is, and we end up like Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, Jesus says to Philip in John 14, I've been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Have you been with him so long and not known his heart? Do you not know that he longs to meet with you, that he longs to be with you, that he's gentle with you? Through the, the, the hardships of our life, the hardest moments of our life, he longs to be there, that he's lowly, he's accessible. The Savior comes to save us And he comes to be with us. He loves us. See, that little legalist in us forgets that we are made in Christ Jesus to do good works by referring us back to being people of good works. But we can never, ever earn it. And Christ is not saying we need to. He says, come to me and rest in it. Rest in me. I see your labor. Come and rest. See, Galatians 3.10, Paul continues and says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. To rely on your works, to rely on your doings, for you to be accepted and approved of in Christ, to rely on what you do and your actions. You're actually resisting grace. You're resisting the heart of Christ." It's always our gospel deficit. Our gospel deficit is the chronic tendency to function with the subtle belief that our obedience strengthens the love of God. Like what we do can make Him love me more. And what we do makes Him love us less. No, no, He loves you. He can't love you anymore. He loves you so much. And our obedience is crucial in the Christian walk. It is absolutely crucial. It grows us in Christ. It bears fruit. But we must remember that we don't perform for the smile of God, but we obey because of the overflowing love of Christ that has set the the smile of God upon us. He set his love upon us. He says, "My yoke is easy, my burden is light." One of my favorite songs uh, is by a band called King's Kaleidoscope. It's called "The Rush," and um, when I first started working here at the church, uh, you know, I was sitting down with Megan, and poor Megan had to deal with me because I'm sitting there, and she gave me a laptop, and she's like, "All right, Mark, so like, what do you think about like your retirement? Like, what do you want to do with all that?" And I'm like, "I'll retire when I get older," you know, and then she's like. No, Mark. Like, like your dental. Like, what, what, kind of dental plan you want? I'm like, I, Megan, I don't. I don't know. And she's like, Do you, do you know the routing number to your bank? And I'm like, Can you just give me a check, and I'll go to the ATM. And, and she's like, Mark, you need to know these things. Like, you need. And she's dealing with me. And I'm like, I'm just so happy to be here. You know. I'm like, all right, Megan, we'll figure it out. You know. And uh, I was printing out my first sermon. It was my first job with a laptop. And in the first place, I've worked with a printer. And I'm just over, overjoyed to be here. And Garrett's like, uh, you got to listen to this band. You got to listen to this band. So I'm listening to this song. I'll never forget when I heard these words uh, because I just wept in that office. I just kind of looked around like, is anybody in here? Because I'm about to start crying. And it was just the most life-giving moment when I heard these words. He's, in the song, he says, you've taken away the weight and flipped the gravity. And it rang so true to my heart like the weight of me chasing my approval my whole life, living in shame, living in guilt, all the things that I've done wrong, all of this weight, all of this baggage in my life. And it's like, oh my goodness, you've lifted the weight. When well, I began to feel the weight of my sin and my shame and to know that he's lifted it like God is merciful. It's like he lifted the weight, but not only did he lift the weight, but he flipped the gravity. I mean, there's grace in Christ that I'm hidden in him. His perfect record covers me. There's grace. I was just floating. When in the song he says, we dance on the thunder. I mean, it's, I, would just, I would just weep as I hear the song, thinking, God, this is the work you have for me. And it doesn't have to be ministry. It could be whatever you do. But I was just overwhelmed of the love of Christ. He's taken away the weight and he's flipped the gravity. He's changed everything. It was objectively true and subjective in my heart. And if you don't like that version of of a pop Christian song, they do a great rendition of an old hymn called Jesus Paid It All. And in Jesus Paid It All, he says, Jesus died my soul to save. Objectively true. And melt my heart of stone. Subjective, brought right to the doorstep of your heart. See, his mercy and his grace, they lift you. They make your burden light. We can live from the heart of Christ. We tell our students all the time, it's it's not what you do, it's who you be. It's who you be, it's who you are. When you rest in the sonship you have in Christ, you love to do the good things that he has set before you. And you do it from his, heart, from his heart, not for his heart. To have a gospel death, to stop our gospel deficit, we need a gospel dwelling. A gospel dwelling. Have you taken time to quiet the voice of the little legalist in your heart and listen to the voice of your chief shepherd? Have you taken time to hear his heart for you, that he is gentle and that he loves you? See, our gospel deficit is only solved with the gospel dwelling. It's the felt love of resting in the work and the heart of Christ. It's very hard to taste the shalom that you have with God because of Jesus Christ. Moments of realizing that you are in Christ are the moments you begin to realize you're truly invincible in him. I mean, think about that. Death, where is your sting? Because God's opinion, the most valuable opinion about you Is in. The verdict about you is in. And when you're in Christ, the verdict is death can't touch you. And you're his. You're in the palm of his hand. That's what the gospel says. The gospel says that his heart for me, his heart for me, it couldn't sit still in heaven. That he became lowly for me. He came down for me. He's come down for you. And in our sin, our hearts, they darken the feelings of his gracious love for us. And yet Christ says, my love will not be diminished. I will come and I will show them my love. And at the cross of Christ, he shows us, he shows me his unconditional love for us. That's where he loves me the most because my sin rightly deserves judgment. My bent inwardness that I'm always focused on me, my selfishness, my sin deserves punishment. It deserves judgment. But in Christ Jesus, I no longer have to look to the future for that judgment, but I look to the past. I look to the cross of Christ. See, the gospel says, although I live for God, for my own glory, through my morality, through being puffed up and all of that wickedness, Christ knows it deserves judgment, but he said, I'm going to come and take it. And I'm going to come and live perfectly for the will of the Father so that my righteousness can say that they're approved. And although I live a life for the heart of others, for my own glory, so that I might be accepted, that I might fit in, that I might have what I want, which is wicked, Christ came and said, you know what, I'm not going to live for the heart of others. I'm going to live a life so that the hearts of my people can be redeemed. And that in my righteousness, they will be accepted into the family. They will be brought into the kingdom of God. And as I live my life for the pleasures of my own heart, for my own comfort, and for my own joy, which is wicked, Christ came and he saw me broken and he said, I came with a joy to die for that sinful heart. That in my righteousness I could be your comfort. That I could be with you always to the end of the age. See, when you begin to trust in Christ, to come to the feet of Jesus on the cross, and you look at the cross, and you begin to live for his glory and not your own, you begin to see that he has set his approval and his acceptance and his comfort on you. The smile of God has been put on you. And in this life, you can look back on the clouds in your life like Joni, you can see him from both sides, but you will always know that it's the tender heart of Christ that is shining down on you. That as you have clouds in your life, they can't stop the sun from shining. That as you have seasons in your life, that you have failures in your life, Christ's tender heart for you is that he's with you, that he's gentle with you, that he's accessible. He's with you always. Church, why be an enemy of your own peace in him? Why overlook the evidence of his love for you? He says, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lay down your deadly doings. Dwell at the cross of Christ. See that he sees you there. Christ longs to live in us and through us. He longs to be with us. He longs for us to see him and say, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. True to your heart. To dwell on the cross of Christ allows you to live from the heart of Christ. and allows you to live from the smile of God. Let's pray. Father, you are good. In Christ, you are so tender with us. Your love shines down on us. I pray that by your spirit, we would see your love for us. We'd see your heart for us. I pray that you would just transform us from the inside out. Let us lay down our deadly doings trying to earn our acceptance and our approval and our comfort and let us see that it's found in you that in you there's life and life eternal in you we have a high priest who sees us and loves us and is gentle with us and he humbled himself and he knows what we're struggling through Jesus we see that in you Help us praise your name because of how true it is. Let it be something that transforms our life. Jesus, be so close to us today. Let us feel your warmth. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.